Good morning, or good evening, I guess it is. It's not morning, it's evening. How's everybody doing? Great, great, great. Well, hey, I just wanted to welcome everybody here today, and thank you for coming. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful service. One quick announcement real quick. If you haven't already heard, our annual business meeting is going to be this Sunday, immediately after the 1045 service. So if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about what God has done over the past year, be a great opportunity for you to come and learn about that. If you are a voting member, I think there's going to be a couple um, uh, things up for uh, decision uh, concerning the bylaws, I believe, if I'm understanding correctly. So if you are a member or if you're not, you are invited. It is going to be a potluck-style lunch. Um, and so if you want to bring a soup or a salad, I think the church might be providing some soup, but we would love for you to participate in that as well um, so that you can come and, and just enjoy as we fellowship together and learn about God's direction for this next year moving for our church. But that is the biggest thing going on. A couple other things. Uh, if you haven't already noticed, there's some uh, signs on the seats in front of you with a QR code. If you scan that, it takes you to our digital bulletin. Uh, there's also a URL under there that you can type that into your, uh, your web browser, take you to the same place. And so why are we doing that? Well, for one, it's expensive to print paper bulletins, and we haven't done that for quite some time. But with this digital bulletin, you can scan it, you can find out about events going on, and the very first thing you'll see is going to say current sermon. If you click on that, it's going to take you to the online notes that we have that we build for every service, so you can follow along with the scripture passages that they'll be preaching out of uh, and just taking notes like you would on a piece of paper. But it's all digital, so it saves and it's, it's easy to, to find it and everything like that. So... Um, that's one thing that we can do. If you are curious to find out more about what we have going on, I would encourage you to scan that code and find out. So, well, without any further ado, I would like to introduce our very own Tom Douthit. He's going to be sharing the word tonight. So would you give a round of applause for Tom as he comes on up? Come tonight not with... The anything new but hoping to stir up our remembrance and encourage us in the provisions of the Lord. would like for us to direct our attention to and our thoughts to the ark. Genesis 6, 5 through 22. When we talk about the ark in the Bible, we can either be talking about the ark of the covenant or a boat. Although the same word is used in English and Hebrew, they're different words. The ark of the covenant is spelled A-R-O-N in Hebrew which means chest. The Hebrew word T-A-V-A is used to describe two things in the Bible, either Noah's ark or the boat or ark that Moses' mother made to put Moses in to save him and put him in the Nile. Now, the ark is defined by the Collins Dictionary as a place or thing furnishing protection or refuge. Webster says that it is something that affords protection and safety. Both Noah and Moses needed safety and protection, a secure place to be protected from judgments that were already declared. Noah from the destruction of the world that was pronounced by the holy God that could no longer bear the wickedness in the world that he had created. Moses needed protection from the wicked Egyptian Pharaoh that could no, toler no longer tolerate the Egyptian or the Israelite children growing stronger and stronger while being slaves in Egypt. That's from Exodus chapters 1 and 2. God's plan provided safety and security for both of them, but tonight we'll focus on 
our attention on Noah's Ark. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tell us of the creation of the universe, the earth, man, woman, and all forms of life. The Bible tells us it was good, very good. But by Genesis 3, we see that fall of man in the Garden of Eden and sin entering into the world. How that Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden. By Genesis 4, we already have the first murder, brother killing brother, largely due to pride. We get on down to Genesis chapter 6. We see the earth has become so sinful, so violent, that God plans an omnicide, the destruction of all life on earth. Genesis 6, 5 through 8, we read the account, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy a man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping things and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. In just six short chapters, we've gone from being good, very good, to the entire creation, man, all life, becoming so wicked, so violent, that the Lord has decided to destroy it. But verse 8 being the key verse, says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God had planned to destroy it all, everything, creeping things, fowls of the air, all of it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So instead of destroying it all, he sets out a plan to save it, to destroy all except for Noah and what he took on the ark. And he gives Noah the plans for a place of protection, safety, and refuge, an ark. Genesis 6, 13 through 16, and God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. This is the fashion thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and in a cubit thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark thou shalt set in the side thereof, with a lower, second, and third story thou shalt make it. God tells Noah about the ark, tells him how to make the ark, and tells him why he needs the ark. Now, sometimes we don't always know the why things are going on in our lives. Sometimes we don't have as much detail, but God gave a lot of details here. If you look at this and read all the different things God told him, he gives him a lot of details that it is to have a window for light, a door to get in and out of, which God will close when he's ready. And it will stay closed until he's ready for it to open. There were three levels to give adequate space. And it was large. It was 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. That translates to 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 foot in height. That exceeds the capacity of 300 railroad stock cars and could hold more than 7,000 kinds of animals. It was to be pitched inside and out to be sure that it was watertight and would not leak. 
Genesis 17 through 21 goes on and says, And behold, I, even I, God speaking, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth. He could no longer tolerate what the earth had become, so he has decided to destroy all flesh wherein is breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come to the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, every creeping thing on earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep alive, and thou shalt take thee food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather to thee, and it shall be food for thee and for them. Again, we look at the detail that the Lord's given him. He not only has told him how to build the ark, but now he's given him instructions of what is to go on the ark. Himself, his sons, his son's wives, his wife, food for not only himself, but for all the animals, and all the animals, the, the fowl in the air, and everything that is to go in. He's giving him a detailed instruction of what to do. Destruction was coming not just for mankind, but for all flesh, and everything that breathes would die. God tells Noah what to bring on board to save not only himself, but his family and animal kingdom, as well as fowls of the air. And one of the key, in fact, I think the key verse to all of this is Genesis 6, 22. It says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, there's a lot of instructions here, a lot of details to follow. Apparently, Noah was paying attention to what God told him. He didn't follow part of the instructions. He didn't bring in part of the animals. He didn't use his own kind of wood, but he followed every detail that God gave him. And whatever the instruction was, he obeyed completely. Second Peter 2.5 tells us that Noah not only built the ark, but that he was preaching the gospel in the process. It states that God saved Noah, the eighth person, the preacher of righteousness. And he was preaching that not only could he build the ark for himself and his family, but that any that would listen could be saved as well. So I have a question for you. What did Noah's ark lack? What did it not have that it would need? What did it not have that you would want on your boat? If you think of all the things that was listed, nowhere did God say, Noah, go out there and put a rudder on the back end of that boat. He didn't say, set sails on top of it so you can govern the speed that it's going to go and help govern the travel. God left it up to Noah to follow all the instructions, but he gave him no ability to control where it went or how fast it went. Now, if you think about all of that, it had to arrive at a particular place for it to sit. You know, this is a boat. If you take all the water out from under it, boats tend to lean when they have no water under them. How are you going to get out of the door of the side of the boat if it's leaned over on it? It has to be sitting upright to be able to get out. So God gives him no means to steer it. It wasn't a problem with Noah, though. For Hebrews 11:7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to save his house by which he condemned the world and became heir to righteousness, 
which is by faith. Noah accepted that God would direct the ark to the place that God wanted it to be. And that it would arrive at exactly the right place at the right time. Noah expected God to, to govern the boat, to direct the boat. All he was worrying about was following God's instructions to get in the boat. As marvelous as the ark was, it is in fact, and, and the fact that except for one man's faith and obedience, the entire world would have been destroyed by the flood. Noah's ark is a type or a symbol of a much greater ark that is yet, was yet to come. It was a symbol of the ultimate provider of protection, of safety, and of refuge. Although never called an ark in the Bible, the scriptures never called him the ark. Jesus Christ is by definition the ultimate ark. He is our place of safety. He is our place of refuge. And he is our place of protection. It is by his death and resurrection that salvation came available to all that would enter in, providing them eternal protection and safety. See, the earth was judged in Genesis 6 and washed by a flood. But a greater judgment is coming upon the earth, and everything in it will be destroyed. 2 Peter 3, 9 through 13 gives an account of the destruction to come. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and works that are in shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire will be dissolved, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The ark that Noah had had to withstand the water. It was pitched inside and out. That's not going to make it for our judgment that's coming. Water won't, won't help. You know, we're standing water because it's going to be a judgment of fire that's going to destroy the earth and everything therewith. But in 2 Peter 3.14, we're warned, be ready. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Just as Noah was very diligent about it, you know, when we, we think about Noah building the ark, sometimes we tend to overlook how long a process it was and how difficult it was. He didn't go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and get the lumber. He had to cut the lumber to split the lumber. You know, I can remember when I was young, we would make fence posts out of post oak trees and would split them. Very, very challenging opportunity to, to go in and, and to split that wood and, and make something out of it. The, uh, he had to make the, the lumber that he built the boat out of. He had to build the boat. And it was, as we said, it was very, very large. So he went by this day by day, following the instructions. And then if you think about the task of all the different animals that were to be gathered up, and the Lord told him to go get the food, to prepare the food, not just for himself, but for all the animals. Now, if you notice in the story of Noah, God gives him a list that he's to take care of, and he does. Then God takes care of the part of getting Noah in the boat 
closing the door. It was God that shut the door. It's, scriptures say that he shut him in. The ark was built by Noah so that all that entered in could be saved. So is salvation in Christ graciously provided that whosoever will can be saved. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Luke 19.10, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Noah had to bring the people in, the, the animals in. We're to bring the people in. The Lord seeks and to save, but we are also to help with that, to minister. The ark was planned by God, so that sal so is salvation. The salvation of Christ was not something that just came about. If you look in the, the Old Testament, most uh, scholars believe that there's over 300 prophecies that were given and fulfilled about Christ, with there being a 400-year dry spell before Christ came. That's a lot of planning. If we look in 1 Peter 1, 19 through 21, we see that God had even planned further. It tells us that, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of the blood without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God. Christ was not a plan B. He was not an afterthought. God knew before he created the world that salvation was going to be needed for us. He knew that mankind would fail and created us anyway. He knew that mankind had failed and saved Noah and his family anyway to preserve humanity, that we could return to him. The ark that Noah had was a place of safety. It was a place of refuge and protection. So is Christ, our place of protection and safety. Normally, don't lay down and rest if you feel unsafe. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalms 4, 8 tells us that I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for the Lord only maketh me dwell in safety. Proverbs 18, 10 the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth to it and is safe. Now, if you notice that one spelled out, that the righteous runneth to it, those that are not righteous, those that do not follow the Lord, are not in that safety. They are not under his protection. They are not in the refuge if they choose to not go to him. But for those that do, for those that are in the Lord's safety, we put ourselves there. We don't have to worry about being taken out. Romans 8, 37, 39 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. A lot of things come about to shake us. A lot of things come about to try to derail us. But if we have our faith in the Lord, we can't be moved. We can't be knocked out of it. Noah and his family had to go into the ark for safety. So must we come to Christ for our salvation. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
If you think about Noah building the ark, he could have gone about building the ark exactly as God told him and put every board in place, put the pitch on, and done everything exactly right. But until he put himself in that ark, it did him no good. It would not have helped him. If he hadn't put the animals in, it would not have helped them. If he hadn't put his family in, it would not have helped them. And mankind and all life would have been lost. The same is very true for our ark, Jesus Christ. He did the work. He provided it. He came. He lived. He suffered and died on this earth, was resurrected to provide that salvation. But if we don't enter in, it does no good. We are not entitled to that protection if we don't go into the ark. We have to go in through him. There's all different kinds of different philosophies and ideas that people have about how they can be saved. I have heard more in recent times than I have heard in a very, very long time. You know, when I was young back in the 70s, there were a lot of people with different ideas about how they could get to God. You know, they had their own thing going with God, and there was all kinds of ideas about, you know, just all roads lead to heaven. Didn't hear about that for a while. But these days, I hear about it more and more, and I've encountered a lot of people that have different ideas that God loves everybody and will let everybody go in and not punish any. God does love everybody, and it is his will that everyone go. He said that he would not that any would be lost. So he provided an ark. We don't even have to build it. All we have to do is get on board. But that is our choice whether to get in or not. John 10, 7 and 9 say, Therefore Jesus said again, Verily I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate that whoever enters through me will be saved. No question about it. No wondering about it. If we enter in through him, we are saved. But we have to enter. And he compares here, talking about sheep. You know, there was a period of time that Rosetta and I raised sheep. And most sheep, when it came time to go into the corral and the barn at night, they went in. There was food there. There was protection. There was a place for them to go in, get out of the weather. But every now and then, I, I had one in particular that just would not go in. She did not want to go in because that's where I wanted her to go. And she did everything in the world a lot of times to not go into that. If she stayed out, she was subject to encounter the dogs that were in the neighborhood. She was in, uh, subject to the bad weather and everything else. But she, of her own choice, sometimes would not get in out of the weather. The call to come into the ark was a living time offer. God closed the door. The scripture says, and God shut him in. Noah built the ark. He did it when God told him to. He did it per the way God told him to. He got the animals in. He got the food. And God shut the door. That was the end of the time that they could get in. You could come beat on the door. You could do whatever you wanted. But God had shut it and no one could enter it. The same is true for God's, come, God's call to come to his son. The, the time will end at Jesus' return. As mentioned earlier, the earth was, will be destroyed by fire. We have a judgment coming for each person as well. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says, And it is appointed to men once to die, 
and after this the judgment. So Christ was once to die, but after this judgment, this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. After death, the door of the ark is closed. There is no getting in the ark of salvation once we've died. That decision to get on the ark has to happen now while we're above ground, while we're breathing, while we have the opportunity. There's no chance once we go past that, the door is closed to us. Matthew 25, 41 says it's not going to be pleasant if we miss the ark. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and for his angels. The Lord never intended for people to not get on the ark. That's why he sent Christ for salvation. He didn't make it mandatory, though. He gave us our own choice. Now, the coming of the flood was unexpected by most folk. Even though Noah spent 100 years preaching it, nobody heard, nobody expected it. They just thought this man's off the loony bin. What's rain anyway? Why do you need a boat? Well, the second coming of Christ is going to be unexpected by most of the world. Matthew 24, 37 says, But as the Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now that statement says a lot. Because what he's saying, as in the day of Noah, man was just doing what he wanted to do. Every man did what was right in his eyes. And the scriptures already told us it was wicked. Very wicked. His imagination was wicked. So they were doing whatever they felt. They were living life just day-to-day -day business, marriages, giving in marriage, buying, selling, commerce. All these things was just life as usual. And it was interrupted by a flood. Two things are going to happen for us. Either if we live until the end time, and Christ returns, as we read earlier, and it talks about the judgment that was come. That will interrupt. But for most of us, that interruption is going to be when our time on earth runs out. And the Lord tells us that as an individual, our time is up. We're either on the ark or we're lost and outside the gate. Now, there's a lot of similarities between the ark, but there's also similarities of, between Noah and those that will be saved by Christ. The scriptures tell us that Noah obeyed everything that God told him to do, that he did, every bit of it. Those that will be saved by Christ will obey as well. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, a lot of people have this as a sticking point. They want to be called a Christian. They want to say that they're right with the Lord, but they don't want to follow his commandments because they're a little bit restrictive. And they tell me I have to do things and I need to love that person that I don't. I need to forgive that one that, that hurt my feelings. We don't have any choice about those things because he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And with those commandments basically tell us to be like him, to follow the example that he gave on life. Now, true enough, forgiving someone that hurts our feelings and hurts us is hard. But so much harder was it for, to forgive what had been done to him. You remember he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. To 
put up with people that have said bad things about us is hard. It's hard to forgive. But he was blasphemed. He was called all different kinds of names because he did good, because he went about healing on the Sabbath. Those are the things that he was persecuted for. So he says that we must love and we must follow his commandments. Now, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We're commanded by Christ, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. Now, we may not be able to go physically all over the world, but, you know, the Seminars God has a great program with missionaries. Whether we want to go to underprivileged within our own country, our own ground, whether we want to support overseas, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of very fine missionaries that are working all over the world and in a lot in harm's way. Noah did not add to a rudder or sails to the ark, leaving all control left to God. God gave Noah a specific list of things, of building materials, what kind of wood to use to pitch inside and out. God told Noah a particular list of specifications, the dimensions, divided into rooms to include a window, one door. And he gave Noah a particular list of what to bring on board, himself, his family, his food, and animals. God covered all the details and told him what he must follow. We must not add to our ark either. Christ is all we need. We must follow the plan by faith, giving up control of our life and follow instructions provided by God. We must trust in Christ alone. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Giving up control of our life and the speed at which it travels is never easy. For Noah, he got on the ark, the Lord closed it, and it went to where God wanted it to go. For us to get on board with Christ and allow him to direct our lives with all the different details that he's interested in. A lot of people believe that, okay, the Lord wants me to be saved and get on the salvation ark, and that's all he's really worried about. Now, the Lord wants to direct every facet of our life. We don't know what tomorrow holds. He does. We don't know what needs to take place. He does. 1 Timothy 6 reminds us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Being on the ark with all the animals and all the things that had to be done, probably it would have been easy with Noah to get a little content. You know, the ark came to rest. And it was a long time after the ark stopped before the Lord let him out. And I'm sure he was very anxious. But if we think about the, this scripture, godliness with contentment, we as Christians need to guard against getting discontent. Well, why would I be discontent with the Lord? It happens. We get bored. We begin to look around. I read a bit this last week about marriage counselors. One of the things that, one of the very major things 
that people began to have problems with in their marriages is when they get discontented. And they get discontented because they look around and begin to compare themselves with others. It's not that my marriage is better than his or that his marriage is better than mine. But when I begin to compare and begin to look at it, I either begin to feel like, oh, I'm better than everybody else or I'm lacking something. And the Lord tells us to look at him for he is our one example. We don't need to compare with others. People get to compare in different religions, different ideas about how we get to heaven. The comparisons are not to our advantage. It's not going to help us. We need to compare ourselves to him. He is our, what we should be the reflection of, not what we hear uh, other people say, not from other ideals. Now, Noah had a window in the ark, what my grandmother used to call a window light. John 8, 12, Christ says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light. Noah had one door. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door, meaning one. One door. By me, if any man enter, he will be saved. Pretty clear. There is one door. Jesus is it. And through him we can be saved. Now Noah's ark floated on water and during the midst of the flood. Our ark, Christ, walked on water in the midst of the storm. Matthew, 20, Matthew 14, 24 through 26 tells us the disciples was in a boat out in the middle of the sea in the storm. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And we know the rest of that story is he calmed the seas. He gave them that refuge. He gave them safety and security. Now, just like Noah, we need to be careful of what we bring on board. This is, can be very difficult for some of us because we like to grab things along the way. Noah uh, uh, was careful what he brought on board, brought on board only what God told him. Luke 9, 25 says, For what is man advantaged if he gained the whole world? And lose himself or be cast away. The Lord's telling us, what, what advantage if I go out and I acquire great riches? If I go out and acquire some, some statue in the world, some standing in the world that's contrary to his word. And lose myself? What have I gained? Because it won't fit through the door of the ark. My pride won't fit through the door of the ark. My wealth that is gained other than by God's means won't fit through the door of the ark. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Weights that we pick up. Things that we begin to grab along life's way. You know, I, I'm pretty bad about accumulating stuff. I'm always working on cars. And if I work on a car, and um, some, I, I used to have a business where I rebuilt cars. And I had a lot of parts left over when I would buy a, parts, a car for parts. I would take stuff off and keep it. And as I go through life, I have accumulated more and more. So I've got a pretty good-sized shop, but I've got a whole lot of stuff in the shop. So there's not as much room as there used to be. Well, that's the way we sometimes live our Christian life. We begin to accumulate things that aren't what God said for us to have. The weights are not necessarily sins, but they're things that we pick up that drag us down. They're things that, pick us, that we pick up that make it so that we can't fit through the door 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you hope and future. We do, we do not need to take on anything, add anything, or take away anything from God's plans. Noah was to bring on the food for himself and for the animals so that they would be provided for. God's plan makes the provisions for what we need. Not everything that we want, but for our needs. Matthew 6, 25 and 26, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of air, for they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? I don't think the Lord is telling us that we don't need to plan, that we don't need to make reasonable provisions, but when we begin to obsess on that, we begin to focus on that, and that becomes our purpose in life, I think we've missed the boat. We need to follow His directions. When it was time for God's time, the ark docked, and Noah came out into a world that had been washed to start a new life. Genesis 8, 4 tells us the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month in the mountains of Ararat, spelling out a particular place and a particular time. Now, had Noah put the rudder on in some way to control the speed, do you think he could have hit a spot where the water is descending and the water's contrary waves? Could he have targeted the exact spot that ark needed to be? No. It would have been a real challenge. You, know, you think all the way back to, you know, like my grandkids when they had a little boat in the bathtub. They could push that thing around and that was fine, but when you pull the plug, that boat goes where it wants to go, no matter how much they had been pushing it. Well, heads for the drain. So does our life when we begin to try to control where it goes. It's very easy to begin to plan a career and Kids these days that, I, you know, when I listen to my grandson and, and young people that I know, they're pushed really, really hard to decide early on exactly what they're going to do and exactly where they're going to be in life 10 years from now. I'm sorry, unless God's told you, you don't know where you're going to be in 10 years from now. You do your best to prepare in the direction that God guides you, but you can't plan it all on your own. You need to follow God's plan, and he will give you that plan. I truly believe that if we allow him to show us, if we allow him to give us direction, bit by bit, he will reveal it. He may not tell you the whole story, but he will direct you in particular ways. Then more than once through my career that I have wanted really hard a particular position or to not have a particular position, and God manipulate, you know, moved things in, in the direction that needed to go, and I followed it only to look back and see that where I wanted to be has gone away. Or the job that I didn't want but had to take turned out to be the job I really needed to get to the next place. The Lord knows. He, he's the master of detail. Everybody says the devil's in the detail. No. God's in the detail. God knows what details we need to go. If we will follow his our ark will put us in the right place at the right time. Genesis 8:15, and God said to Noah, Go forth 
of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives, bring forth with thee the living things that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and cattle and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Everything was saved because Noah followed the ark plan and did everything that God had told him exactly as it should be. Although we will all face form, storms, our ark is able to take us to God's destination for us. When it comes time, Revelations 21 one tells us, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Our ark will take us for a place that's prepared for us. John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Our ark, Jesus Christ, will lead us to a place of eternal life. John 10, 28, And I go to, to them, and I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see, if we're on that ark, we know our destination. Noah didn't have a clue where he was going. God told him how to build the ark, told him what to put in the ark, told him to preach the gospel along the way. But he didn't say, oh, by the way, you're going to end up over here on Ararat. There's nowhere you can find in the scriptures that before the ark started, God told him where he was going. He had to, by faith, follow all the directions for God to put him where he wanted him to be. We know our destination. We've got an advantage over Noah. God has told us that we have a place in the new heaven and the new earth. We have a place of eternal life. It, that's not the end of it, though. If we look in closing here, we'll receive that for those that stay on. Revelations 3.11 says, Behold, I come quickly, and hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Those that stay on board will be able to... Uh, and arrive in heaven, can claim 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not only to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Friends, if we hold on to the ark, we build our life the way God tells us to, stay on the ark, make the conscious decision to get in the ark, and then to stay there, allowing him to manage the details, allowing him to direct. You know, not very long ago, my wife and I retired. You talk about not knowing where you were going. Even though we had it planned, even though we had talked about it for a long time, all the decisions to make it happen had taken place. There was still large insecurity, not knowing if everything was going to happen. And sure enough, not everything happened the way we planned. That was typical. But yet, God led through it all, and some decisions we made not knowing exactly the reason behind it worked out right. God knows the details of our life. And just as he knows the details, he knows where we need to end up. If we stay in the ark, in the protection, in the, the safety of Jesus Christ to the end, we will receive the crown that is laid up for us. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, I love you and praise you tonight. 
I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your provisions. I thank you, Lord, that you know every detail in our lives. Whether we understand or not, you do, and you have a purpose. Just as you used the window in Noah's ark to let the dove out, to let Noah know when it was time for to begin to think about getting out, you send us details that we can follow you in. I ask you to bless each one here. Bless them this week. Give strength and health. Draw them near. I thank you, Lord, for all you do. Oh, three.